I don't know about you. I'm feeling 22. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? My name is Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we're discussing chapter 22, Dilemmas. Oh yeah. A great <laughs> chapter title, and even has my name in it. <laughs> wow. You were waiting for that one, huh? Oh yeah. Thought I would pass it up? Come on. It's right there. Alright, so the start of this chapter is a dream that Fitz has of the fool. And I think this is a really interesting chapter, or interesting chapter header, I guess, because it kind of portrays the fool's, it portrays the inside of the fool's head, like what he's thinking in a rare moment early on in the series. Yeah. Because he's directly talking to Fitz, and Fitz is presumably sleeping at this point, but he's like dreaming of the fool looking down on Fitz and Mm -hmm. talking to him. Why cannot I speak clearly? Because you made it all a muddle. I see a crossroads through the fog, and who always stands within it? You. Do you think I keep you alive because I am so entranced with you? No. It is because you create so many possibilities. And he goes on a little bit more about, like, because Fitz is the catalyst, he has all of these different opportunities coming from him. He wasn't supposed to be alive. Mm Mm-hmm. So the fact that he is alive and in these situations creates so many different outcomes. Right. But that line there, the, do you think I keep you alive because I am so entranced with you? No. Do you (laughs) think the fool is deluding himself? Mm. Or do you think, like, he just hasn't become close to Fitz at all because Fitz, they've just kind of met and maybe they're kind of friends-ish in Fitz's mind, but the fool kind of, like, sees him as his tool, right? Right. Like, he's the catalyst. Well, I think it partially depends on when this dream happens. Right. Um, Because we don't know when it is supposed to be happening. I think part of me wants it to be, like, the fool doesn't want to accept his feelings so he can't say out loud that he likes Fitz in any capacity because that makes it real and if something's real it's able to be broken and so I like want to read it that way but also it could just be that at this point I mean he's in his 20s and Fitz is a teenager so I'm sure there's I mean you can like think somebody's good looking and not have romantic interest behind it or, like, want to pursue anything. I'm not even talking about that. Right, I'm but just I'm just talking. saying that, like, maybe it w- it's, like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, one of those things where when you're older and there's, like, a teenager who thinks you're best friends. It's like being friends with your teacher. Like, the teacher's not actually your friend. And they're not telling their social circle that... Right. Their friend, the 15-year-old, they're, they, like, might like you. But so I think it's kind of that relationship at this point where it's an adult who is trying to use a child in some way. Maybe not in, like, a negative yeah. way, but, like... I mean, technically, the fool isn't even really an adult. Right. 
because for his life, yeah. he's still a child. For but... his, oh, what is that? <laughs> I was gonna say his genre, but that's not <laughs> <laughs> his race. Yeah, well, I don't even. I was gonna say species. That was the word. Species. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they're not human. Yeah, they are so completely I, different. So, so that's why I wouldn't necessarily consider it a race. I mean, it's a race, but just not a human race. I wouldn't think. Yeah, I mean, I he know. is like only partially white. So, right. I don't know. Very sidetracked here, but <laughs> uh, but so like technically he's also a child at this point with his genes. Yeah, technically, but um, yeah, I I don't know how I feel about this really. I think that the fool might be uh, self deceiving himself a little bit. Like I think that he likes Fitz and he can recognize that. But the reason that he's keeping him alive is not because he's entranced with him. Hmm. I think the fool is kind of like, I don't want to acknowledge that I do like Fitz as a person. Right. Or as like, he could be my friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I want to shut that down right. in my life because <laughs> I need to use him. But I'm keeping him alive because he pre- presents so many opportunities. Right. That's why you don't name the meat. <laughs> on farms right. like it yeah. <laughs> makes it harder to kill um which is kind of what Fitz's life is being used as <laughs> he's a pig for the slaughter well the opposite <laughs> of slaughter actually but uh, you know he has to keep risking his life because i mean yeah. the fool sends him into situations knowing his life is at risk he does need him so, alive though that's it's it. just he's for tenderizing him for later <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah. So it's not for your benefit, but for the benefit of the six duchies that I preserve your life. And your duty is the same, to live so that you may continue to present possibilities. And then, uh, we go right into Fitz waking up. It doesn't say that this was the dream that he had during that night. Mm -hmm. It's just... A dream. A dream. Right. But I do want to quick point out that it's kind of sad that... That's kind of all Fitz is, is just a tool for the six duchies betterment. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I guess on the grander scheme, the world, but. I mean, that's that's why he gets so sick of it at the end of this trilogy, though. That's why he goes and right. becomes Tom Badgerlock. He wants to get away from that. He doesn't want to be used by the royal family anymore. And he wants to protect Nettle from that feeling right. of just being used all the time. I just think it's sad. It is. It's very sad, but it's a pretty integral part to who Fitz is growing up. That's true. And, I mean, he does his life, even the small actions he takes, as frustrating as they are most of the time, is something that, in the end, does help the world as a whole. So, as awful as it is for him to live through it, (laughs) it is a good sacrifice, I guess. Well, we uh, we get told it helps the world. That's true, I guess. <laughs> it's a little debatable. <laughs> but uh, this uh, this chapter is very heavily backloaded with information. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that happen in the first, you know, uh, first few pages here, but a lot of the stuff that I kind of want to talk about is near the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go over some of the beginning stuff here quickly, uh, just... Interrupt me if you want to stop and talk about anything. Right. Um, so 
He wakes up to the second day of festivities here, and he has to think through all of the information that he just got, basically. Um, and he uses his uh, training from Chade to go through all of the information he knows and what assumptions he can build off of that, and comes to the conclusion that Regal lied about Rursk's health to Shrewd, and that Regal wants Rurisk dead for possibly political power, even though it doesn't really make sense to Fitz because all the political power lies with Rursk being alive and willing to trade and deal with right. the six duchies. And he also um, wanted either Fitz or Lady Time, but specifically asked for Lady Time twice, or like mentioned it twice yeah. to Fitz. Right. And so. I think this this whole part where he's going through the different scenarios and he's he's really figuring out like here are the different possibilities which one makes the most sense i think it really highlights how as impartial and smart as he thinks he is he is judging everything based on his own unit of measurement right yeah and he continues to do this it feels like all the time he's always judging people to make have motives that make sense to him and he can't really grasp that there could be other ideas out there. I think this is something that Jade is really good at that. He can see all the different, even if it doesn't make sense to him personally, he can still see those strings of the web. Um, and so I thought this was a really interesting thing to show. I mean, he has so much information and he does come to some correct conclusions, mm -hmm. but he is being, I don't know. He just isn't finding the right point. Right. Um, but I think he does pretty well here, and it highlights how well Che did in teaching him of assembling right. the web of things. And that's why I think we pointed out earlier, too, that Che goes to Fitz for other, um, other unbiased opinions about what's happening and things mm -hmm. and, and bounces ideas off of Fitz and other people because Chade can recognize that and Fitz kind of recognizes that in here too he's just like I don't know everything right and one one line that popped out to me here is who did Regal really want dead Prince Rurisk or Lady Time or me after an assassination attempt was discovered how did any of it benefit him and this marriage he had engineered and why was he insisting I kill Rurisk when all the political advantages were to his living? I needed to talk to Chade. I couldn't. I had to somehow decide this myself. Like he he can recognize that, yeah, he doesn't have all the answers. He he's not used to thinking through something this complicated. Right. Or this convoluted mm -hmm. uh, without Chade being there. So Right. I don't know, I just I really did like this section, though, because it's so different than how we usually see Fitz thinking through things. Right. So it was really cool to get to see, like, I'm going to pretend to be Jade. Okay, what would he? how would he think of, about it? And I just thought that was really neat. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that thought there that he needed to talk to Jade or somebody mm -hmm. uh, brings up the idea to talk to August. So he... Uh, studies you know habits that he can um determines layouts for chambers and, and guard patterns although that's not really a thing that he can find out um finds out where people sleep and he discovers that Cobb is sleeping in the stables as did Burek. um 
But he's wondering, like, did Cobb sleep there to impress Beric or to watch over him? And then he finds out that Severins and Roud both slept in the antechamber to Regal's apartments, despite a lot of rooms being in this great hall there for servants. Mm -hmm. And he's, he doesn't have all these pieces to the puzzle. And um, I, I have a couple ideas of why that is, but do you think, first of all, do you think Cobb is there to watch Beric? Well, definitely. I think so, too. I, I don't think Cobb would willingly sleep in the stables. Not that I think he's above it, but just because he is Regal's right-hand man, it, fe it feels like because he follows Regal, he would have some sense of, like, greater self-worth where right. he thinks he deserves to be there partying and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I also don't have a very positive view of Cobb. So there's that. <laughs> For good reason. Right. <laughs> um, but the Severns and Roud sleeping in the antechamber to Regal's quarters... Mm -hmm. I feel like that's for Regal's protection against Fitz because he's, like, super paranoid. I could see that. I don't think Fitz would ever even You think, think Regal is paranoid? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think Regal has major paranoia, especially when indulging in um, alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it's not necessarily paranoia, but it's like a self-preservation. And he doesn't like if he is willing to kill Fitz or really anybody that gets in his way why wouldn't anybody be willing to kill him so I feel like in that way they're there for his safety and also maybe so he can keep an eye on them although I don't know that he does much of that so right <laughs> um I I personally think that it's there because Regal needs to kill them at the end of this hmm. we see I think it's maybe next chapter um, maybe this chapter. I think it's this chapter at the end when he's uh, discussing with Galen what to do. Right. And he says, like, yeah, I have to kill, you know, you have to find me a new valet and bodyguard. Yeah. I think but he needs them there so he can keep them in one place and then easily get rid of them. But also, I mean, I don't know, because he seems pretty pretty gutsy with just murdering anybody willy-nilly so i don't think he would need them close to him to kill them and i don't think he originally planned on killing them anyway i don't think he thought that through but i have theories when we get to the galen conversation <laughs> that i won't bring up now so <laughs> so um he fits observes all this kind of takes mm -hmm. that information in and then finds august and Finally corners him quietly and in, in private and says, I need to talk to you. Um, and August kind of tries to brush him aside because, you know, he thinks he's better than Fitz. <laughs> right. Just being rubbed off on from Galen and Regal and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but he does get him to uh, a private area and has August skill to King Shrewd, a message that... Basically, a coded message that Rurisk is in good health, and we we should expect him and want him to live many long years, and that Regal still wants to give him a, a gift, but Fitz doesn't think it's appropriate, which is the murder. Right. And to get August to this point is a real struggle, <laughs> um, but my favorite exchange happens while they try to figure out where to go to send this message to the king. 
Um, and it's when uh, August says, you know, is there no other place? Your chambers, I suggested. No, that is even worse. Do not take it amiss, bastard, but I do not wish to seem to associate with you. Take it not amiss, lordling, that I feel the same about you. And I just thought that was like a funny little (laughs) (laughs) banter. I just love the August is so rude and is like really trying to refuse this request that Fitz has. And Fitz just gives it right back. And I love this little little side of Fitz where he like... (laughs) actually has some spunk and attitude (laughs) which i don't feel like we get to see very much in later series still a little bit but i don't know i just uh i lament like what could have been with august Mm -hmm. because he seemed in fitz's eyes to have a bunch of promise i don't know right it's just sad um but yeah so the king skills back like now just listen to regal and Fitz is left wondering, like, did August even skill at all? Right. Well, August is mad. He's he says that um, he fears that he has lost favor with the king, or that the king is now looking down on him because of how irritated he sounded, and like is really making this like, you asked this favor of me, and now I'm in trouble, and really putting all this on Fitz. Well, and Fitz said he would take all the blame for it too. Right. But, um, but yeah. it also, like, leaves, you know, the question forfeits. It opens up the door, like, well, why is the king irritated? Like, what's going on? This has never been our relationship. And I don't know. Um, and he uh, tries to skill out. He can't. And then he continues on with his day. He goes back to the palace. The day is much like the previous day. There's lots of festivities going on, and exactly at noon, Ketrikan once again goes up to the middle stage, has a little uh, has a little speech, says that her words today were just as simple as she announced that she was binding herself to the people of the six duchies. From this moment hence, she was their sacrifice in all things, for any reason that they commanded it of her. She thanks her own people, um, and again reassures them that you know allegiance isn't being cut here um it's just i want to do this for the betterment of both people and then uh it's kind of remarks yep tomorrow's the wedding mm-hmm. so it's all kind of moving forward and fitz is not liking this because he knows it has <laughs> regals want wants to kill rurisk before the wedding right and he's basically just antsy yeah as the day dragged on for him, uh, John Quee came and visited the blue fountains with him and took him to tour around. And he can't really keep his mind straight at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that um, blue smoke is being partaken yep. in. Partaken? I don't know. Partaken of? Partaken of, yeah. <laughs> blue smoke is being partaken of uh, throughout the palace. Um, especially around Regal, and he equates this to the um, kerosene cakes that the Buckkeep holiday usually indulge in. And yep. I just think it's interesting that there are so many similarities with these cultures, um, even if they're little or sometimes a little different. Um, it's interesting to see 
like the cultures because they're close by having similar celebration techniques i guess i just find that interesting it seems like an equivalent for this would be like opium um i kind of like looked it up or like a mix between like a like a really strong tobacco and like marijuana or something it's like seems to relax some people Mm -hmm. it seems to bring out like euphoria and confidence in some people Mm -hmm. it makes Fitz really giddy and he tries to keep his head clear the whole time he's like I Jade gave me stuff for clearing my head of alcohol but I don't know how this is going to affect me I want to keep clear of it and he's also nervous because he's never really partaken in this drug so he doesn't have a high tolerance. He right. just <laughs> doesn't take very much to get in his head. Um, but he's uh, he's spying on Regal during this um, when he notices all the smoke coming out. And he sees August trying to tell Regal about the encounter with Fitz. Um, he sees the word skill and, and Fitz's own name come out of Regal's or out of August's mouth. Excuse me. And Regal is very dismissive and he doesn't really care. Ketrickin comes over and Regal's flirting with her and she seems kind of into it half and half. Like, I'm sure Regal's very charismatic and, you know, very flowery when he wants to be. And he seems very confident that she likes him. Yeah. So and then, you know, Rursk comes over and draws Ketrickin away and August storms off angry because Regal isn't listening to anything that's happening. Right. Because August thinks this is important. Like, why would Fitz want to talk to the king? Right. Well, I'm sure he knows what Fitz was trying to secretly code, or at least has some idea that, I don't know, I mean... But later on, um, I think next chapter, Fitz is convinced that August does not know of the plot. Yeah, I know, I don't know. I. It just seems like... Fitz may be overlooking... um but uh yeah so he's trying to spy and and eavesdrop on regal but it's it's not really working because he's pretty far away and it's really loud in there and he keeps thinking of things that he could do um and he keeps thinking over his facts and he uh, has this interesting paragraph in here of what he's thinking of. It's, I went over my meager store of facts, feeling sure I was missing the significance of something. But I also wondered if I was not deceiving myself. Perhaps I was overreacting to everything. Perhaps the safest course was simply to do as Regal told me and let him accept the responsibility. Perhaps I should save time and cut my own throat. I could, I could, of course, go directly to Rursk, tell him that despite my best efforts, Regal still wanted him dead, and beg asylum of him. After all, who would not find attractive a trained assassin who had already turned on one master? I could tell Regal I was going to kill Rursk and then simply not do it. I thought carefully about that. I could tell Regal I was going to kill Rursk and then kill Regal instead. The smoke, I told myself, only the smoke made that sound so wise. These are all very out-of-sorts thoughts for Fitz, and you can tell on rereads especially that the smoke is going to his head. Right. Um, He's making sarcastic comments of, 
you know, like who wouldn't want a one traitor assassin under their own employee? Uh huh. Like, I could kill myself instead. Like, he's just making very right. It seems like making out of light, sorts. yeah, light of the situation in ways he wouldn't normally. But also, he would—he has to be super stressed. I mean, oh yeah, 100%. there is no good option. He's—he's he's right. This is—he's a teenager. This is his first. Well, not first solo mission, but first like he had to decide whether to kill the You're right. the lord um who abused the one girl, serving girl. But I feel like that's different because there was a clear like obviously this guy yes. is bad. He deserves yep. this is the first time where he disagrees with an order he's been given. And He's fighting with, do I disagree because Regal's the one giving the order? Or do I disagree because I know that killing Rurisk is a bad idea? Right. Like, it. do I have enough experience to know that this is actually a bad idea? And I don't know. I just feel really bad for him. <laughs> All right. So then the uh, end of the night comes around. And uh, right before this, Fitz is like, I knew the smoke was affecting me. And it comes to the time where he has to report to regal's room because he's supposed to come back get the plan from regal of how to kill rurisk Mm -hmm. and he goes to the chamber and regal is indisposed so severance gives him the poison and the instructions right he's with a companion (laughs) yes do you think he's actually with somebody or he just Uh, doesn't want Hmm, okay i think yeah fair why wouldn't he? He doesn't care about anything. He doesn't. I like, guess that's fair enough. It just feels like that would like ruin whatever he had going with Ketrikin, but I guess not. I don't know. He thinks he's sly enough to get away with that. Come that's on. fair enough. Ketrikin doesn't seem like she doesn't know anything about that stuff. So. That's true. Fair enough. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh. There's a bunch of smoke in Regal's room as well, and Fitz is again left waiting there, so he inhales more of it. Mm-hmm. You could feel it affecting him before, and now it's like really thick. That route is just like grinning like crazy when he was the one that was, uh, you know, accusing everybody of stealing from Regal and really dour and like uh-huh. a terrible travel companion, according to Hans. And now he's like super smiley. So you know, this place is fully lit up. It is. Mm-hmm. A hot box to the max. <laughs> There's definitely smoke everywhere. He well, it says like he tries to put his chin on his chest and breathe shallowly, but then puts his hand over his face. Not that it stops anything, but yeah, he's oh man, that would not be fun. And I wonder, do you think they're making him wait in this on purpose, or is this just a? I think they're just making him wait because they want to make him wait. Fair enough. <laughs> um. But Severance hands him the poison, says, like, oh, it'll be a very gentle, slow poison that won't affect him for weeks and weeks, and which is a lie. Right. Um, but he takes this. He says, like, I need to hear this from Regal because you're not the one to boss me around. And Severance says a line that Regal told him to say because Regal was expecting that response. So Fitz is like, fine. You know, I know I know what I'm doing. Um, leaves and he stays underneath Regal's chambers and he eavesdrops again mm-hmm. he wants more information so he waits and waits and waits and then 
I think Roud leaves. Yeah, Roud leaves and returns with Cobb. And while he's waiting there for Cobb to come, um, or for something to happen, he's thinking in his head, once again, if this was like, you know, a huge setup, how, why was this a setup? Like, what is happening here? What's the thoughts on this? And the last paragraph here that he says right before Cobb comes is, I considered finally that Regal had told me he had specifically requested Lady Time, but Trude had sent me instead. I recalled how Chade had puzzled over that, and finally, I recalled his words to me. Had my king given me up to Regal? And if he had, what did I owe to any of them? Fitz is, um, first of all, discussing in chapter 19, his last conversation with Chade, that Shrewd would sacrifice Fitz or Chade up for the kingdom, the benefit of the kingdom. Even Verity, if Even it Verity. called for it. Yep. I was confused by that first, so I wanted to clarify. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, it's a rough thing to contemplate. Like, yeah. is this is this my sacrifice? Is yeah. this what my king is doing because he didn't want to lose Chade? Right. And, I mean, he's a teenager, and he now has to live with, what, what do I owe them if my own family members are willing to kill me for no reason? Because truly... What is the reason? Regal just doesn't like him? Like, I mean, we know that it's a little bit about his mom. He is convinced his mom was poisoned. But... I mean, he, the Lady Time thing was definitely about his mom. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel really bad for him. And also, That's I agree... That's like all of these books. Right? <laughs> Every chapter. But I agree with him. What does he owe any of them? I mean, I guess technically, like... His living quarters and education and clothes. Food and... And, but like, <laughs> they're going to kill him. That's not fair. Yeah. And not even for like the betterment of the kingdom, just so that Regal can have his little petty pity party. Like, I don't know. Regal isn't worth it, but. Shrewd thinks it is for the betterment of the kingdom. But in what way? If Rurisk dies, I mean, then they're the seven duchies. Right. That that way <laughs> i guess but i don't know i don't know i just um, don't like it <laughs> yeah well yeah me either but uh yeah Cobb Cobb shows up and then fitz realized that the whole plans are just getting revealed to Cobb. he knows you know understands what uh succinctly that rusk puts later that fitz is a dead man right so he gets his, you know, his poison and everything like that and makes his way to Ketrickin's door. And he has to remind himself firmly that he is a king's man. Mm hmm. So she comes to the door and. Uh, Her, he, oh, sorry. Her door is really cute. It has <laughs> hummingbirds and honeysuckle on it. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> and he says that uh, she seemed as pale as the fool. And he thought how much that fool would have liked the door. Right. Always in his thoughts. Always. Didn't think about how Molly would like the door. Just saying. Well, no, because Ketrickin's filling his thoughts, too. <laughs> Fair um, enough. <laughs> she, comes to, she comes to the door, and smoke still twined through Fitz's thoughts. I wanted to smile, to be witty and clever before her. Pale beauty, I thought. I pushed the impulse aside. Um... And he asks, if I killed your brother tonight, what would you do? 
and she's not surprised. She's just straight up, I would kill you, of course. At least I would demand it done in justice. I'm pledged to your family. I could not take your blood myself. But she would still go through with the wedding. Right. It says, I haven't time. Would you marry Verity? And she replies, I am pledged to the six duchies to be their queen. I am pledged to their people. Tomorrow I pledge to the king in waiting, not to a man named Verity. Which is very interestingly Mm -hmm. worded. It is not the man I am pledged to. It is the six duchies. I am given there in the hopes of it benefiting my people. There I must go. I would not want to marry a man who had ordered my brother's death. And another part of Regal's plan clicks into place. Does Verity and Shrewd know that that's the wording and that's like what the customs and traditions are? Like that the sacrifice stretches so much from people to people that they're marrying the the land and not the person? Mm -hmm. Does Regal know that and is like... Well, if I kill my brother, the king in waiting, she's still pledged to the six duchies, so she has to marry someone. Yeah. And I mean, I think the wording is so interesting to me because it kind of feels like this isn't her original thought. Oh, you don't think so? I mean, not completely, especially when she says, "I tomorrow I pledge to the king in waiting, not to a man named Verity. She is very adamant that she's not... She is technically pledging herself to king-in-waiting. Right. Not Verity. Which then leads to believe, is this how Regal was wooing her? Saying, oh, my brother's horrible for weeks. And then saying, well, you know, you are only pledging to king-in-waiting. And Verity, since he's trying to kill your brother, if he goes through with it, we can demand that he steps down. You know, it just Maybe. feels like... I don't think he'd be that overt. I don't know. I don't think him. he's as smart as sometimes I give him credit for. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like it's just such a like distinct, only king-in-waiting, not the man Verity. Which leads it to then, as long as it's the king-in-waiting of the six duchies, I will marry them. Which leads me to why would that be specifically what you're saying? You know what I mean? Like, right. It's like she specifically says it's not Verity. And I something about that just feels like something that Regal put in her head. I think it's. I mean, it could be. I think it's from their traditions, though, of like the sacrifices for the people, because it says after here that um, even if it were otherwise, ask yourself, which is the most binding? So even if she was pledged to a man named Verity, what's more binding? Pledging to a man named Verity or the king waiting of a whole land? And I am bound already. It is not just my word, but my father's and my brother's. So it, I feel like that stems from a tradition of like, I am not a, it is not the man I am pledged to. It is the six duchies. It is the people I am becoming sacrifice for the people right that's where i feel it stems from i think it comes out of extrapolation of the tradition i think the tradition is to pledge to the people and to the land first and foremost i think the specifics of it not technically being verity she's pledged to is regal's sweet nothings in her ear could be yeah i like i think it's both i don't think it's necessarily all regal putting this in her head i think it's him using the tradition. Although I don't to, know if he 
is too knowledgeable about anything or cares to... <laughs> I think he has enough puppeteers that know enough think, yeah. to tell him what to say, so... <laughs> yeah, I think so, too, but I... Yeah. Um, so Fitz gets what he wants. He's like, okay, she'll still go through with it. Good. That part's wrapped up. And now I go to your brother. Knocks on Rursk's door. Rursk has also partaken in smoke tonight. And... The edge of a giggle teased at my resolve. Chade would not be proud of you just now, I counsel myself, and refused to smile. I entered and closed the door behind me. Shall we have wine? I asked him. This feels a bit like when you don't want your parents to know that you are drunk, and so you're trying to be like <laughs> extra serious, and like you kind of start to laugh, and you're like, oh, nope, nope, I'm, I'm serious, I'm not drunk. It's, this is normal. Yeah. And like, the person knows obviously <laughs> that's what it feels like to me so as he pushed down another silly smile Rursk filled two glasses of wine and Fitz leans forward and obviously tips the poison into one of the glasses into Rursk's glass mm-hmm. swirls it lets it dissolve and sets it back in front of him and then straight up says I've come to poison you you see you die then Ketrikin kills me then she marries Verity I lifted my glass and sipped from it. Apple wine from Pharaoh, I guessed. Probably part of the wedding gifts. So what does Regal gain? Well, he gets a dead dead two people that he didn't, are in his way to more power. Mm-hmm. Because the poison that Fitz had was not the only thing poisoned in that room. The wine was as well. So Fitz takes a little sip from that. Rursk eyed his wine with distaste and set aside. He took Fitz's glass... Mm-hmm. drinks from it and there's no shock in his voice Rursk is not surprised you can tell he's very protective of Ketrikin when he sees her talking to Regal earlier he like mm-hmm. comes by puts a hand on her arm and like hey let's go this way right and is very cautious with that as well well I'm sure he knows what type of guy Regal is yeah yeah definitely <laughs> he says he's rid of you I gather he does not value your company <laughs> What an understatement. Um, He has been very gracious to me, extending many gifts to me as well as to my kingdom. But if I were dead, Ketrikin would be left sole heir to the Mountain Kingdom. That would benefit the six duchies, would it not? Then Fitz goes through like, oh, there's a noise at the door. That'll probably be Cobb saying that I poisoned you and then everyone will come or whatever. Um, But Ketrikin's there and she's there to warn her brother. But he also points out that the six duchies can't protect the land that they already have. Right. So he says, and I think Regal would see it as benefiting Verity, not the kingdom, about gaining more land, which is... That's the point that Fitz is missing, though, is because mm-hmm. he plans to kill Verity, too. Right. But I don't... He just doesn't know it. Ugh. It's just interesting. It is, That's yeah. Because <laughs> he wants to have this discussion... Because I think it's been bothering him for the full day mm-hmm. since he woke up. He's like, there's something I'm missing because not all of this makes sense. Right. Um, but they uh, they joke around with Ketrikin um, since they're both drugged up on smoke. Rursk is like, well, Ketrikin says he's come to poison you. And Rursk is like, I know he put it in my wine. That's why I'm drinking this. He refills the wine glass from the carafe and offered it to her. It's apple. 
Um, <laughs> I don't see any humor in this, she snapped. Rurisk and I looked at one another and grinned foolishly. Smoke. And then he says the line, Fitzchivalry realized tonight he is a dead man. Too many people have been told he is an assassin. If he kills me, you kill him. If he doesn't kill me, how can he go home and face his king? Even if his king forgives him, half the court will know he's an assassin. That makes him useless. Useless bastards are a liability to royalty. Rursk finished his lecture by draining the rest of the glass. Another full glass of wine. Which, I mean... Oh, this whole scene just like all of this makes me so upset. And I it's know it's worse on a reread. Yeah. It's like 100%. It's like, just worse. stop drinking the wine. Don't yeah. drink any of it. Why do you need to drink any at all? Just like you know that this is something Fitz is doing, and the I know you note feel beforehand. safe. It's Apple, probably from Pharaoh. Whoa. Yeah. Like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> know any links to Pharaoh, Fitz? Like, maybe some alarm bells should be ringing, but that skull is empty, so. <laughs> Ugh, it's just so frustrating on this reread because, like, I I don't think like he has two full glasses of wine. Uh, probably one and a half at but, this point. Yeah, but yeah, like I I understand that like they don't know what's going on fully. They think that the poison is in the other glass. But why wouldn't you then? Because. Rurisk knows this is a gift from Regal. Why wouldn't you be like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't drink things from somebody who is sending an assassin to kill me? I don't know. Oh, it just makes me so upset because I like Rurisk so much and I don't want him to go through this. And it's smoke. I guess. Impairs their thoughts. I guess. I don't know. I just hate it so much. Yeah, me too. Um, the next couple paragraphs are a really interesting look into how sacrifices view themselves though mm -hmm. i thought um so rurisk is not surprised that verity would go through the wedding ketrican or yeah sorry the ketrican would go through with the wedding to verity mm -hmm. uh, what would she gain by refusing only the enmity of the six duchies she would be forsworn to your people a great shame to our people she would become outcast to the good of no one it would not bring me back which is, oh, so sad knowing it's, what's happening. Right. It's super interesting that if Ketrikin did not go through with the wedding to the six duchies, she would be an outcast to the Mountain Kingdom then. Because she's already forsworn all of the allegiances, they wouldn't welcome her back as, like, solely part of the Mountain Kingdom because she's supposed to be a sacrifice. Yep. It's just a really interesting mindset that, like, yes, you were serving your people, but your people expect that of you, so there's, mm -hmm. like... There's layers. Yeah. But sad that, like, he has to reconcile that revenge in that way of not getting married isn't going to bring me back. Right. Yeah. Like, not going through with this plan. It's very practical about it. It is, but it's still sad, like... I think that's like something hard when you go through death is like, especially I'm sure in a death where, you know, somebody has been murdered, like getting revenge and like on somebody that has done wrong to your loved one doesn't bring them back. Nothing does. Right. And that would, ugh, I don't know. I just, it's just such a, the line just sticks with me because I know what's coming and it makes me sad. I don't know. <laughs> this is a hard chapter. 
this couple are hard chapters. Mm -hmm. We're getting close to the end. Um, and Fitz asks if the people would rise up, and Risk is like, no, we protect them from such knowledge. Uh, shall a whole kingdom rise to war over the death of one man? Remember, I am sacrifice here. And that's another layer of that. Like, even if your prince, your leader of the country gets murdered by another country, <laughs> the people don't need to know that. It's more, it's better for the people to live peacefully mm -hmm. than to rise up in war because their leader got murdered. That's, that's his sacrifice. Like, we will protect, like, my people won't know how I die if it's by foul play. Right. Ugh, I like hate it's, it. It's a really interesting mindset for a leader to have. Yeah. And I kind of want more in-depth on their cultures and more point of views from them. And I really wish Rusk was still around through these books so we could get more insight into that. Yeah, well... Because the insight we get with Ketrikin is nice, but, mm -hmm. like, we don't see any King Aeod. We don't, like, I don't yeah. know. I think the thing with Rusk is he willingly and freely gives information yes and no one else in this series really seems to do that and that's what <laughs> right. fitz kind of needs because he refuses to ask questions 90 percent of the time and will like stop after one like <laughs> so i think that's like the biggest loss with risk as a character in a book right. is that we're losing the one person who gives us more in-depth insight into things going on outside of Fitz's worldview. Yeah. And Eric and Shade do, but it's usually off screen. And the things that they do on screen are usually things that Fitz disagrees with. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't listen and doesn't care anyways. Right. And I feel like Shade at least still hides things from oh, Fitz. And oh, isn't, 100%, I mean, 100%. not that Rosk isn't hiding things from Fitz as well, I'm sure, but it's just Rusk is more willing to have an open conversation with Fitz agreeing and listening and respecting him. Right. As someone to have that conversation with rather than like a pupil student mm -hmm. relationship or a father son relationship. Exactly. And I think that's a big loss and I'm sorry for it. Um, Fitz then uh, describes the, po the, the poison of what's going to happen. First, it gives a man tremors. Rusk extended his hands on the table, and they trembled. Ketrikin looked furious with both of us. Do you think that's real? Or do you think he's faking and joking? <sighs> I don't know. I, I think that he wants to make that joke, but he finds it a little bit too easy. Okay. You know, I like, like that. He's, yeah. he's like, wants to freak out his little sister, but then it's like, like uh -oh, his hands wait. are like actually trembling kind of. Mm -hmm. Kind of bad. He's like, ooh, I'm pretty good at this because he's smoked up, you know? Uh-huh. Death follows swiftly, and I expect I am supposed to be caught in the act and disposed of along with you. Rursk clutched at his throat and then let his head loll forward on his chest. I am poisoned, he intoned theatrically. <laughs> I've had enough of this, Ketrikin spat, just as Cobb tore the door open. Cobb was waiting outside. Yeah. But to hear, I am poisoned, presumably, which, yeah. who actually does that, Cobb, okay? <laughs> um, he goes white at the sight of Lady Ketrickin in there and is hoping that she didn't drink any of the wine. Uh, and he doesn't say, like, Rurisk's wine glass or anything. 
He says, tell me you have not drunk of the wine. Like, the wine as a whole. Mm-hmm. Which is a little tell as well. Um, this traitorous bastard has poisoned it. I think his drama was rather spoiled by the lack of response. <laughs> Ketrickin and I exchanged looks. Rurisk rolled from his chair onto the floor. Ketrickin hissed, oh, stop it, to him. And he's actually... Like, weak now. Yeah. The, the poison is actually kicking in. He mm-hmm. had a lot of poison. Uh-huh. And he starts having seizures. Rusk's back goes into convulsions, and Fitz realizes instantly that he was duped. Poison in the wine. A gift from of Pharaoh apple wine probably given this very evening. Regal had not trusted me to put it in there, but it was easy enough to accomplish in this trusting place. I watched Rurisk arch again, knowing there was nothing I could do. Already there was spreading numbness in my own mouth. I wondered almost idly how strong the dose had been. I had only had a sip. Would I die here or on a scaffold? Ketrickin realizes what actually happened, and in her mind... It's still Fitz, Fitz goes in there. Fitz goes to her room, asks, like, what would you do if I killed your brother? Mm-hmm. I would marry the king in waiting mm-hmm. and the six duchies. Okay, I'm going to go to your brother. They joke around, and in her eyes, Fitz led them to believe that it wasn't, you know, he wasn't there to actually poison. He was there to talk it through. And then thinks that he was just deceiving them and acting the whole time so he could laugh at them while Rorisk died. Mm-hmm. So she calls for Regal. Fitz tries to bolt. Cobb moves there because he wasn't, you know, affected by the smoke. Well, not only is she calling for Regal, she says, I demand his death. Right. So this isn't. She's fulfilling what she said she would do. Yeah. But, like, that kind of shocked me. Really? It's. I mean, I know she's upset. and She, <laughs> she literally thinks, said that. Yeah, I know, but it's just... A page before. <laughs> I feel... I get what you're saying, that, like, in her eyes, she thinks that they've been duped, that Fitz just used them. But it's just so, like... I mean, she doesn't have all the facts yet. She doesn't... I guess her brother's dying in front of her, so, like, you're not really thinking through, like, let me get all the facts together first. But... It just was so like, I demand his death. And I don't know, I just, it really shocked me. I think because I don't see Ketrickin as such a like fierce, not fierce per se. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Ketrickin in my mind is kind. And this isn't a kind thing she would do. This is the Mountain Kingdom, though. It's where elderly people take their own self exiles to kill themselves when they're remote. This is where. I, yeah. Those rumors and the stereotypes come from somewhere. They have a very strict and harsh life up there. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess I don't know. It just feels weird because I know how close she and Fitz become later. Right. That like to see her like think so little of him and to believe that he would do this is you hard on us. On a reread, to lull him with jests and smoke, to smile with him as he dies. Yeah. I mean, like, with their philosophy of being a sacrifice for the people, 
if somebody is murdering someone else, I'm sure they have very harsh laws to keep that community mm-hmm. and to keep it peaceful there, especially in Jean Pei. Yeah. So, like, I don't think, I don't, I bet not a lot of crime happens, but when it does, it's treated extremely harshly, like the the man who lies and has his tongue notched. Right. Ugh, I don't know. I just, I just feel really, but this is a horrible moment, and yeah. for everyone involved. Literally everyone in the room. Yeah. <laughs> this is just so hard. I don't know. Um, Cobb moves to stop Fitz, and Cobb hasn't partaken in any smoke tonight, so he's very, uh, he's uninhibited by that. He's quicker than Fitz on his feet, but Fitz has a knife. I mean, he he got his assassin's tools, his a poison knife, mm-hmm. and he kills Fitz. They get wrestled to the ground. Or it kills Cobb, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, wow. Fitz isn't dead. <laughs> Fitz is not dead, no. Um, Fitz kills Cobb, and then he gets wrestled to the ground, and he smells Cobb's breath and his scent, and this is where he realizes that Cobb is the one that killed Smithy, the one that stabbed Birik. And as he kills Cobb, he's saying, Goodbye, Cobb. As he fell, I suddenly saw a freckly stable boy saying, Come along now. There's some good fellows. It have go- it could have gone so many different ways. I had known this man. Killing him killed a part of my own life. Eric was going to be very upset with me. And that line, come along now, there's some good fellows, is when, I believe when Cobb is leading to the- them to the kitchens, Nosy and Fitz, for mm-hmm. the first time. They meet, they're pretty pleasant to each other during that time. Yeah. I just I find this so interesting because it obviously weighs heavily on Fitz. Yeah. But it's not like Cobb is still that innocent freckly boy. He tried no. to kill Burek. He right. killed Smithy and he has become someone who is not that freckly boy anymore. And that's awful and terrible and of course I don't wish death on him, but it's not as though he's an innocent man being right. killed and he truly believed Fitz killed him. He is going into this knowing he's framing Fitz for murder. For it's, I, I think he's lamenting what could have been, though. It's, it could have gone so many different right. ways. Like, and this is the first person he's killed that he knew. Right. I just think... Besides, that it's, besides Rurisk. Right. <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting that Fitz feels that way knowing how terrible of a person cop is because it's it's not like they're related in any way they are right. brotherly Cobb kind of had it out for Fitz pretty early on in their relationship with each other I, I just feel like it's interesting to me that Fitz it feels so strongly of like this could have gone some other way even though for the past several years, Cobb has been a very awful person and has probably murdered or tried to murder more than just Smithy and Burek. Let's be real. But Fitz is also not a born assassin. Right. It's not in him to really do this. So when he's killing someone that he knows, like, he doesn't like killing to begin with. But this, like, he, he know, he's known this man from when he was a boy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
it definitely it definitely hits him pretty hard though right um it doesn't linger on it long because a lot of things are happening mm -hmm. all those thoughts had taken but a fraction of a second Cobb's outflung hand had not struck the floor before i was moving for the door Ketrikin was even faster i think it was a brass water ewer i saw it as a white burst of light so she knocks him out mm -hmm. and when he wakes up he is uh bound by ropes arms are held and tied behind his back Roud and severins are dragging him along um half carrying him half dragging him and regal was there with a chirita as well um that he didn't know and they throw him into a room and regal is you know uh, crying out for august he's playing his part basically he's like oh mm -hmm. this scorpion poisoned the prince or whatever and he, he wants august to still skill to the king that you know king shrewd may have may know how he has suckered a scorpion i will need his approval before the bastard dies if he lives long enough to be condemned go now go so they left and regal is there alone and just taunts fitz he talks about how fitz was in in the straw in like the first chapter of this book while Verdi, Birik, and Regal looked down on him and how Regal wanted to kill him and how justice is coming full circle. He kicks him savagely in the ribs and he talks about how everything is kind of coming full circle. Consider how you fall to poison and treachery, just as my mother did. Ah, you start. Did you think I did not know? I knew. I know how much you do not think I know. Everything from the stench of Lady Time to how you lost your skill when Beric would no longer let you tap his strength. It kind of goes to show that Regal actually doesn't know much. Yeah. One, because uh, Chade is not known to Regal. Two, mm -hmm. that Chade as Lady Time did not kill um, Queen Desire. Her own addictions did, mm -hmm. as far as we know. Mm -hmm. I could have, I guess he could have, but I don't think, I don't, I don't think, think Shrewd would have ordered that. So and I don't think Jade would work outside of Shrewd's no, order. He, he definitely would not. Uh, I think he's mentioned that mm -hmm. except in, with the exception of Fitz, he would say like, I would not kill Fitz. Right. Um, but also he like Fitz does not draw strength from Pyrrhic. <laughs> so, um, his Regal's whole plan kind of comes into shape here. Like, with all of these little additions added on. Um, it's pretty much what we had said before in previous episodes. He wanted Lady Time to come and kill Rurisk. Because he thought that Lady Time would have killed Rurisk, like, the first night that he was that she was there. Mm -hmm. um, Regal has been poisoning Ketrikin's mind against Verity. So she is more inclined to like him. Regal is then able to kill Lady Time in revenge for his mother's death. And they will uh, kill Verity during the ceremony, the wedding ceremony. So Regal is then king in waiting. And then he gets, you know, to be the heir to the, the Mountain Kingdom. He gets revenge on his supposedly mother's killer. Right. And... Shrewd sent Fitz instead. And I think Regal's an opportunist, and he's just like, oh, I don't like this guy either, so. <laughs> Waste not, want not. Yeah. 
But uh, this is the first time that Fitz has a seizure. He has these repeatedly for a long time after this. Mm-hmm. He gets slowly better and better, but he still has them from time to time, I think, until he gets force he- or skill healed. Um, I'm not completely certain. I'm not sure either. I don't think he does later in life, so that would make sense. Um, I, Yeah, I think it's in the Tawny Man trilogy. Right. Because um, he still has them. When he overworks himself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that's that's lingering from the poison that he drank. And he drank only a sip. Yeah, he only had a sip. And Regal still is taunting him. He's like, a pity I cannot stay and watch you have, you know, these seizures until you die. I have to go console a princess. Poor thing pledged to a man she already hates. And it says either Regal left then or I did. I am not clear. And he skills. He describes it as if the sky opened up and I flowed out into it, which is really interesting. And he remembers Verity's words, being open is simply not being closed. Then I dreamed, I think, of the fool. And I think that's where the first header of this comes in. Mm. Um, Because it starts with... um, In the dream. In the dream, yeah. So I think... Like, that could be inserted into this section right here. Interesting. Um, obviously, we don't have confirmation of that, but I'm, that's, like, kind of only where it fits in. Because that's the only mark of the Fool, and then the rest talks about other things in that paragraph. But how is he visiting the Fool? He's skilling. Is the Fool talking to Shrewd? Mm, because he says, maybe. the Fool is by my bed. This is the middle of the night. I don't think there's a time jump. But it also has later on that um, Shade and Shrewd are are playing um, playing a game, right? Or is that later on? That's a different time. That's a different time. Okay. Yeah, it must be then. I want to go back to that. The fool doesn't. The fool doesn't have the skill until he touches the silver with his bare hands but he is speaking to fitz directly because you make it all muddle i see a crossroads of the fog and who always stands it within it you i don't think he would be saying these things too shrewd Mm. that's the only thing that i i see about that i don't know it just seems odd that You, I mean, I know that he can, like, see the fool, that the skill isn't limited to seeing only people who are skilled yeah. or have the skill. Um, but it just seems like a weird thing for the fool to appear above him explaining things. True. Yeah. I don't know. The context of the whole thing doesn't super make sense, because why would the fool be saying this out loud? Who would he actually be saying to? Because Fitz isn't there. Right. We don't really know. I don't know. But also, I was thinking before that maybe that dream was in reference to when Fitz had, like, fallen asleep because of Galen's trainings. Mm. And so the fool was talking to him while he was asleep, but he wasn't, like, fully asleep yet. He just thought it was a dream or something. Could be. But I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But it would, it otherwise would fit here. Yeah, otherwise, (laughs) yeah. But uh, yeah, the fool isn't mentioned again, and he says that he dreams of Verity sleeping with his arms wrapped around his head as if trying to keep his thoughts in. 
which is also a very sad image. Mm -hmm. Um, so scared of losing himself and probably easily slips out into the skill stream Mm -hmm. and is trying to get some sleep. And then the important part here, and of Galen's voice echoing in a dark, cold chamber, tomorrow is better. When he skills now, he scarce has any sense of the room he sits in. We do not have enough a bond for me to do this from a distance. A touch will be required. And he's speaking of Verity there. Mm-hmm. That Galen and him do not have enough of a bond yet. And that's coming through from the coterie that he trained. Yeah. So a touch will be required for him to do something. <laughs> Which is interesting because does that mean that you have to be close to someone to suck out their their life force like do you have to f- i don't think so i think it's the key word is in enough of a bond or the key phrase because fitz later on feeds his strength across a huge distance to Verity. Right. well that's so they have a strong bond well that's what i'm saying is are you you then unable to take from someone unless there's a bond or you're touching Probably, probably you have to have a probably have a, bond, have a bond, I would guess, or Galen isn't strong enough to do it without a bond. Fair enough. Then, then some of the uh, one of my favorite lines in this dark dark chapter here is, "There was a squeaking in the dark, a disagreeable mouse of a mind that I did not know." <laughs> do it now, it insisted. Do it. <laughs> do it. And this is Regal talking back to Galen, Regal who. We know of as not having the skill. Mm-hmm. But it said that Regal was never trained as a young boy because he was sickly. Mm-hmm. Still has farcier blood. He could have that little inkling or he could have a little skill. Or is it like, or is it Will who's like letting him ride in his mind and giving him skill? I don't remember how this works exactly. I think he is using a skill user to talk through. It's okay. not his own ability in some way it is but it's it's like whenever you as a king's man when you siphon off someone else's strength but somehow he's piggybacking on their skill is what i remember must be august then because he called for august Mm -hmm. but Um, i also think it's like it could be like shade where maybe there just isn't enough because shade has skill but not a like strong aptitude for it because it was never developed right we know the more you use it the stronger you will get in it mm-hmm. um but galen is like rebuking regal here he's like don't be foolish um shall we lose all of our planning now for the sake of haste tomorrow is soon enough let me worry about that part you must tidy things there Roud and severins know too much and the stable master has annoyed us too long and regal's Upside here, you leave me standing in a bloodbath. Wade through it to a throne, Galen suggested. And Cobb is dead. Who will see to my horses on the way home? Leave the stable master then, Galen said in disgust. I will do him myself when you get home. I shall not mind. But the others were better done quickly. Perhaps the bastard poisoned other wine in your quarters. A pity your servants got into it. I suppose you must find me a new valet. You'll have a, your wife to do that for you. You should be with her now. She has just lost her brother. You must be horrified at what has come to pass. Try to blame the bastard rather than Verity, but not too convincingly. And tomorrow, when you are as bereaved as she, well, we shall see what mutual sympathy leads to. 
So Regal isn't the brains of the operation. I don't know. Galen is the uh, the mastermind behind all mm-hmm. of this. Which is funny because Regal sure thinks he's the little Pinocchio here, but he is definitely the just Pinocchio. he's just a regular puppet. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't see his own strengths. Um, he expresses his disgust for Ketrikin. He says she's as big as a cow and as pale as a fish. Yeah. Which is, number one, horrible. But number two, he's been flirting with her this whole time pretty convincingly, at least from Fitz's eyes and Ketrikin's because she's, like, in love with yeah. him. Ugh, I hate it. It's just so rude. This I, this chapter really starts my burning hate for Regal. Like, he's just so stupid and doesn't realize it. <laughs> but also very good at what he does. That's true. Is oh, annoying. I don't like it. The uh, the big part of it right here is at the end. Uh, Galen saying, "But with the mountain lands, you will have a defensible inland kingdom. You know the coastal duchies will not stand for you, and Pharaoh and Tilth cannot stand alone between the mountains and the coastal duchies. Besides, she need not live longer than her first child's birth. So, one, they're planning on killing Ketrakan after." the first child is born mm-hmm. Two, they're kind of planning on a civil war. They're yeah. combining Pharaoh Tilth and the mountain kingdom against the coastal duchies because Galen assumes that the coastal duchies will not stand for regal, which is fair because they're planning on killing Verity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but also like they kind of did that themselves. Yeah. Like uh, literally. Yeah. If they wanted support, maybe try being good people. I don't know. Crazy concept. But uh, his skill is is also very hard to control. So he bounces around every like to everyone that he knows. Mm -hmm. Um, Verity is aware of him in his sleep, says his name. King Shrewd and Shade played dice bones at dice uh, bones together. And Patience stirred in her sleep. Chivalry, she asked softly, is that you? No, I said, it's no one. No one at all. She nodded and slept on. Does patience have the skill? I don't think so. I think people... Well, I mean... Okay, so isn't it said later that there's a vast array of, like, skill ability and people can be aware of things or completely shut off of it, but the the array that they're aware of something is very vast. So she could have like a small little, you know, aware of a connection kind of thing, but like Mm. never be able to use anything. Interesting. Yeah. I think you're right. I guess that like some people are open to being skilled, but not necessarily capable of skilling themselves. Right. Yeah. So just like, um, how Verity like manipulates the red ship vessels, like Mm -hmm. the captains there. Yeah. Or the navigators. Right. Like they have to be open to be skilled and they, since he is very subtle with everything, mm-hmm. he can, you know, manipulate them, but Fitz has no control and just kind of like, I'm here. <laughs> right. My do presence. You think, <laughs> do you think chivalry used to like. Check uh, in. Yeah. Skill to patience. Probably. And his skill presence felt similar to the, what he yeah. did to her. He was like a bull rushing in. Uh, receding tide. Sad. He probably used to check in on her. 
If you have that, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, that's true. They don't have cell phones, so. (laughs) (laughs) You up, Winky Face. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Make a lot lot of these plot points a lot easier. That's true. (laughs) Um... Just give B a cell phone, a exactly. little pager, call 911. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Turn on your GPS. Where are you? <laughs> Text your dad. Help. And when Fitz wakes up again, he is, uh, his chin and shirt front were wet with his own saliva. Numbness seemed less. So he's had a few more seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't think he's going to die from the poison because he's lasted this long. Right. But he doesn't know. Yeah. And he's super lucky that the seizures haven't killed him because oh, yeah. especially his like nobody's around to watch him. Right. It's yeah. super dangerous. Like they're just super dangerous in general. And he truly has to have some otherworldly power keeping him alive. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's just very lucky in the most unlucky way possible. Yeah. I wondered if Rusk was dead yet. And a little bit later, as if in answer to my question, a cry of purest pain rose to the moon. Nosy's master was dead. It flings himself towards Nosy, wraps his wit around him, tries to comfort him, but they are alone together and sad together. And Nosy finds Fitz. Mm-hmm. He goes to him, and they mourn together and Fitz kind of asks Nosy to free him so Nosy works on the bonds and his arms get freed this is such an interesting section because first we have Nosy finding Fitz yeah seeking him out in his pain and sorrow and you know laying on Fitz and Fitz says with the touch came the bond again stronger now that Aurorisk was gone yeah Um, And the first thing that Nosy says to him is, he left me, it hurts. And Fitz explains, men cannot grieve as dogs do. We should be grateful for that. And even through this horrible grief, Nosy is still helping Fitz and being there for him and it's just so yeah real good pup it's it's sad it's really sad because it kind of feels like whenever you like reach out to someone for comfort because you know them after losing someone like it might not be the right choice but it's better to take old comforts than to suffer alone right and I just find it really interesting how deep the loyalty has run, even through unbonded partners. Like this, as far as we know, they weren't wit partners. So there isn't, there isn't that deeper level connection. And yet Nosy is still so sad. And he bonded himself one way, basically, to Rurisk. So he could tell when he died, but like... When Rurisk was having convulsions and stuff, he didn't like, wasn't barking, wasn't trying to run towards Rurisk or anything. And right. That we know of. That we know of, yeah. But I think Fitz would have heard it if he <laughs> heard the cry afterwards. Right. And it's just sad. It's, I don't know. But it does like give us a little insight more of like the dog state of mind and maybe what right. 
draws fits to them. Yeah. This intense loyalty and just even in the midst of a horrible grief helping someone that they love. Yeah. Which is kind of fits his characteristics. That's how he acts. <laughs> yeah. Like but he never really admits the love or no. that the person could love him back. But that's another issue for <laughs> that's a different issue. That's that a different is issue for all of the human. other times. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. So I really like this little insight of like the dog, the inner working of a dog's mind. Um, even yeah. if it's really sad. <laughs> Definitely. He has another seizure. Um, my muscles clenched and unclenched themselves so violently that I saw dots of light. But it passed and I still breathed. And when he comes back to again, um, Birik is there. Nosy is, is bringing Birik there. And Birik doesn't really know what to make of it yet. He's extremely neutral in how he's talking. Um, he just says, are you dying? He asked me. It was like hearing a stone speak. And yet he had grief visible on his face. So he's definitely trying to stay strong for Fitz. He's trying to stay strong for Fitz, but also all that Birk knows is that he killed a prince. And he's like, what What became of the Fitz I knew? Like, who is he? Right. What is Chivalry's son doing? Are, are you dying? Like, what? There's probably a ton of emotions tumbling through his head of whether Fitz was, you know, a, a traitor to everything because Regal is kind of probably saying that. Right. How chivalry would have reacted to this if Fitz is actually dying. Like, there's probably a lot of thoughts. Yeah. But also, I think he knows Fitz better than that. Like, Regal's saying all these things, but... Burek also knows that Fitz has never told him a lie or never backed down on his word. Right. And that Fitz is a good person and that he, like, respects his elders and does what he's told. And I don't know. So Burek tries to help Fitz here a little bit. Kind of washes out his mouth. Has him drink. Fitz admits that he killed Cobb. They brought him out to the stables and no one told Burek anything about it. And... Um, so, like, maybe that's all that Beric knows right now? I don't know. Just, like, Fitz killed Cobb and brought him to the stable. I, I don't know. But he does say, I know, when Fitz says it was him that did it. Yeah, so they must have, like, when they brought his body out, they must have said, like, you know, yeah, I the Fitz killed Cobb or something like that. Or he was, you know, treacherous bastard, killed Cobb and poisoned the prince, or... Mm -hmm. And then an important... Slightly hypocritical, slightly, uh -huh. I don't know, the actual line that Beer can tow with the wit here is brought up. Fitz says, how did you find me? And he sighs, I just had a feeling. Fitz says, you heard nosy. And Beer's like, yes, the howling. And Fitz is like, that isn't what I meant. He was quiet a long time. Sensing a thing isn't the same as using a thing. Which Beric lives his life by. He knows all the animals call him heart of the pack. He like can't block out everything, but mm -hmm. he's learned to ignore everything for so long that he just senses it, but he ignores it. That raises the question of how much is he actually blocking off? 
because I'm, you can put up walls to things yeah. in this world. The magics can be walled off from yeah. yourself and others. And I'm guessing he does it mostly. But if he heard the howling, he might have dropped those barriers a little bit. And I don't know. Or maybe he was just scared for Fitz and dropped the barriers to try to get I information. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to tell with Burek. I, I don't think he's like actively trying to use the wit, but I think it's one of those like it's different when I do it sort of things. Yeah. So probably. Um, Fitz reveals that Cobb is the one that stabbed him on the stairs and Burek kind of takes it in stride he considers it for a while and he's like you know that makes sense the dogs barked very little and i was wondering why it's because they knew him and birik is reprimanding fitz for sharing nosy his feeling with with nosy at the moment because you know his hands and everything are coming back to life they hurt his whole body hurts nosy is reacting to that pain and fitz is like i just now i can't help it it all hurts so bad i'm spilling over are you going to help me and Birk replies, I don't know. Then, almost pleadingly, Fitz, what are you? What have you become? I am what you are, I told him honestly. A king's man. Birk, they're going to kill Verity. If they do, Regal will become king. What are you talking about? If we stay here while I explain it all, it will happen. Help me get out of here. He seemed to take a very long time to think about it. But in the end, he helped me to stand, and I held on to his sleeve as I staggered out of the stables and into the night. Birk is true to his word, that he trusts Fitz's word. Yeah. Fitz has never broken his word to him, and he says, like, I am what you are, a king's man. Mm-hmm. And to Birk, that means everything it's that loyalty it's that i will do what my king wants me to do mm-hmm. so Birik takes that takes fitz's word and he's like okay you kind of had to do this i'll help you but he's he, he considers for a long time because he doesn't know all the facts and he just trusts fitz yeah helps him which is pretty interesting because the last we left off he told fitz he didn't want anything to do with him yeah and that there's no reason that they should ever work together again, basically. And I think this probably was a little bit of him realizing, like, well, I really had no idea what was going on in Fitz's life at all. Right. And there are so many factors that I didn't know about. So how can I judge him? Like, this is my son. How how can I not help him when he's dying? (laughs) Right, right. This is... um... Man, this is a rough chapter. Yeah. Um, just because of what could have been, basically. Yeah. And what is to come in the future. We're getting, what, two more chapters till the end of this book? Yeah. 24 chapters plus an epilogue. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy that we're almost done with this book. <laughs> yeah. Um, very crazy. And it just gets worse like it just gets worse and worse as the book goes on and next few chapters aren't great because nothing really gets resolved Mm -hmm. because like how does it end up petrican forgets doesn't want to kill him anymore but regal gets away with it yeah and i don't know it's so hard because fitz has witnessed firsthand 
Regal's ruthlessness when it comes to killing members of the royal family, and yet it's overlooked because Shrewd favors Regal so well, much? Well, and Verity. Verity says, like, don't do anything to Regal. But is that because Shrewd would react negatively to that? And so Verity's trying to shield Fitz from Shrewd's wrath? Or is that brotherly love? Like, why is it acceptable? I don't think they have a brotherly love. Right, exactly. But, like, why is it acceptable for Regal to plot against the crown, brother and father? There's There's a line next chapter... That Verity um, tells August to pass a message to Regal that we can discuss way more um, next episode. But it's basically saying, like, your half-brother overstepped himself. Talking about Galen. Do not make the same mistake kind of thing. So he's, like, giving him a second chance almost. Or, like, realizing that Galen was the mastermind behind it. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like a cop-out. Like... I think they all underestimate him because they think that Galen and his and Queen Desire were the two masterminds and Regal is just manipulated the whole time because they yeah. seem to be like too close to the situation or something. I right. don't know. I guess they're giving him too much benefit of the doubt. They definitely do feel like he's being manipulated, which I think at some point when you're in your late 20s, it's no longer <laughs> manipulation. It's just what you believe. I mean, it's yes, still you, manipulation. I mean, but, it's still yeah. manipulation, but like it's ingrained in him at that point. Yeah. And also he's a full-fledged adult and is making his own choices. As awful as it is and as like horrible as his upbringing was to bring him to that point, he has every opportunity to unlearn that. And he chooses to overlook facts in order to go on with his own worldview. Right. So I don't necessarily feel bad and don't think it's his, like that he's innocent in any way in this. Fitz is most definitively not happy. <laughs> this episode yeah i would agree with you or in the next episode (laughs) (laughs) or in the next one (laughs) uh thank you for tuning in please reach out to us if you have any thoughts on you know motivations or or literally anything about the series so far or in the future we're Mm -hmm. always here to um read your comments to try to answer them to the best of our abilities and hopefully um to help all of us think through more of this yeah um, you can reach us at isfitshappy.com or isfitshappy at gmail.com. You can email us directly, or you can reach out on any of our social medias in DMs um, or on comments or, you know, anywhere. We'll try mentions on Twitter. Um, <laughs> isfitshappy at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we got from you guys this week. First of all, we wanted to shout out the quiz that we have been promoting on our social media. Yeah. Um, if you don't follow us on there, um, on Facebook, we should have a link to the quiz. Yep. Um, at Is Fitz Happy. Yeah, at Is Fitz Happy on Facebook. I think our Twitter has it as well. Um, yes. Although... Um, our Instagram will not anymore because it was on our story. Yes. So, um, but Twitter, it's a really Facebook. fun quiz um, where you get to see which character you are from the whole of Realm of the Elderlings. Um, and there are some interesting characters some people are getting. I saw some Timeras and Wintrow. Um, so it's not just, you know, Fitz and the crew. It's also 
um, the live ships people and um, dragons. I know Paragon was. Oh, no, that's a boat. <laughs> well, well, also well. a dragon. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a fun quiz. We've loved um, seeing people telling us who they got. Um, I got Molly and Luke got Ketrikin. Yes. Which was very funny. Um, but yeah, that and that quiz was created by um, the Twitter user Fennel the Cat. And they also have a Tumblr that is black and white motley um, that they said could be promoted as well. So um, we just want to give credit there because it is a great test. And it's not even that long. Um, I mean, it's not like two questions, but it's not like like, like 20 questions or something like that. Uh, And they're like very hard to answer. I don't know. It was was very fun. Um, Yeah. So we just wanted to shout that out. Because we had so much fun taking it and reading everybody's responses. Yeah. Um, then I want to thank Q and Wendy for sending us pet pics this week. Yes. It was very nice to see some uh, good cats. Well-named cats pups. as well. And, and pups, yeah. Good cats and pups. Um, <laughs> then we got a message from Polly Rose on Instagram. Um, asking about us about our theories of the tapestry in Fitz's room. And basically about the lack of art in Buckkeep mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, which was a very interesting thing that I don't think we've really discussed. Um, I personally feel like art is for communicating with the masses in Buckkeep. Um, we know that mostly noble people are the ones who learn to read and write. And so if you're going to convey stories like they do on the tapestry, especially in Fitz's room where we see the meeting with the elderlings, um, you have to do it in a way that people of any class can understand, right. which is best done through art, which is mostly why they have so many bards, I think, because they need the songs to pass on their history. They can't write them down. But I think art and Buckkeep functions much in the same way. And at least in my opinion, that's uh, why it's so crazy to Fitz to just have art for art's sake, because normally it's a history lesson. For me, it it seems like the gist I get is that the Six Duchies is a kingdom in decline. And um, like, you know, generations ago is when it was at the height of its power. The uh, widely used skill users, um, the widely trained skill users, excuse me, everything like that, and the old tapestries, and 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 I feel like that's when they would produce art, and it kind of fell by the wayside for, you know, a slight length of peace, and then back to warring with Chalced and the Red Ship Raiders. They just they're warring within themselves or arguing within themselves. I feel like they just don't place a lot of emphasis on it because it's just become more warlike mm-hmm. and they're almost like regressing as a culture. So I feel like the emphasis on art in general is just not there. And uh, for the specific tapestry in Fitz's room, it the impression I get is that it's incredibly old for one thing. So it's like really worn and it's hard to see what's actually woven there. Mm-hmm. But also, no one in the Six Duchies really knows what the Elderlings are. 
And I feel like it's just an artist's interpretation kind of thing of what went on. Because we see later that no one really remembers, after Verity as dragon flies around, no one really remembers what the dragons look like or mm-hmm. who was riding them or like anything like that because they kind of partially remove those memories as they fly over people. Uh-huh. So I feel like any artist rendition is going to be very inaccurate to begin with. But I do like your your part about like explain to the masses i just feel like that's not an emphasis right now in the current years of the <laughs> right six well i don't think they're currently making tapestries of the red ship wars but right right um but yeah that's that's kind of the, my thoughts on that at least um, and finally um we had a very interesting correction i guess you could call it yeah uh from david and he let us know that when we called the symbol that Fitz has, uh, the buck with the lowered antlers that he got from Verity, a crest. We and were, when Robin Hobb calls it that as yes, well. Yes, Robin Hobb also calls us a crest. Um, it's actually a coat of arms. A crest is on a wave. Um, so crests are for that, whereas a coat of arms is like the, the family symbol. Yeah, a crest <laughs> so, would be a part of a coat of arms. Yes. But it's kind of like a square and a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> One does not always equal the other or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that was a really interesting thing. And we thought we'd share it with everybody just yeah. in case you didn't know. Now you've learned something new today and you did it from a podcast. So yeah. We're not super uh, well versed on heraldry in general, which no. is a, it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I'm always like interested. Like, oh, that means that like historically, that's really yeah. cool. It was same with like vexology, the study of uh, flags. I think it's vexology or vexology. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but all these like colors and symbols and stuff have meanings. And I think it's cool. It's just never used nowadays. So I right. never like dove into it too far. Yeah. But it's um, I always like at Ren fairs where you can go and like find your coat of arms based oh, yeah, on your the last historical. name. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's fun. Um, I always like doing that, but it never sticks with me. I never remember. <laughs> yes. So so not crest, coat of arms. Fitz yes. got a new coat of arms um, without the slash through it. It is a lowered buckhead ready yes. to charge. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's it. Um, thank you guys for... <laughs> Thank you guys for sharing everything with us. We love hearing from you, whether it's to correct us on something as small as crest versus coat of arms or, um, you know, sending us pup pics <laughs> like we or cat pics, any animal pic. <laughs> um, but we really just enjoy hearing from you guys and getting to interact with you guys because we're not experts. So we like hearing what everybody else thinks, too gives us more to talk about not that we like necessarily need more to talk about yeah as evidenced by our almost two hour long podcast yeah (laughs) i mean i I still we i think we skip over a bunch of your notes every uh every week too Mm -hmm. like you write a bunch of questions and yeah (laughs) but that's okay i if i got to talk on and on i would and i'm an english major so you know (laughs) that it would be the dumbest thing to go on about for hours so <laughs> the color blue here really symbolizes the sadness fits oh, feels yes. the death so. of the author <laughs> well thank you so much for tuning in uh once again we love talking about this stuff so see you next week see you next week